Hey, welcome to Dream Aloud with Kendra. It's a podcast for black women who want to live limitless lives. Be inspired by others who have dared to step outside of their comfort zone to live their hopes and dreams and passions. Now let's get started because life is way too short not to live the way that you want. Hello, everyone. It's a late evening for me, but early on the West Coast, and I am here with not only a genealogist, but a family member. I met Sabina. When did I meet you? 1999. 1999, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. And you, you were doing genealogy for the mm-hmm. family, and there, you had a book. Mm-hmm. And it was similar to my cousin's book because I go up both lines and you were, you were just selling the book for the cost of the printing. Correct. Correct. And we just started talking to one another and I, I love genealogy and tracing our relatives and you actually do it for a living. I so I, I just want to let everybody know your background. This is my sixth interview for second acts series that I have on my podcast. And I'm interviewing phenomenal women who have taken the leap and changed careers. And Sabina is in her fourth act and you've been doing this for a while. So (laughs) sounds like you're gonna be staying in your fourth act for a little bit, even if you pivot some more the fourth act is is a love a passion and a person and a purpose that you have it's a god-given passion so we share we share the love of storytelling of our family history and you take it even further with the dna so so much so that you are now teaching it so your your bachelor's degree is in criminal justice yes it is Yes. And how long did you work in that field? I actually worked in juvenile corrections for two years and I felt that that was not the place for me. So um, during that time I got married and we were supposed to relocate to Dallas and we didn't. And so Mm -hmm. I had a a chance to pivot and choose what I wanted to do and corrections was not it in any form. So I thought I would go into juvenile you know, services, something that would keep kids out of institutions. Mm -hmm. So I went to recreation and job development for teens and young people. And I did that for a while. Um, And that was much more rewarding for me. And then you went into (laughs) art? I went into art. Well, I I have always been an artist. Okay. And so um, I actually graduated high school a year early. I started college at 16 and thought I was going to, you know, venture off in design. And, you know, my sights were set on living in San Francisco and doing fashion and or interior design. And I had a little um, conversation with my father, a little heart to heart. And he says, you know, artists tend to starve. (laughs) He says, I want you to find a career first that is going to always feed you. And you Mm -hmm. can always go back to school and get Mm -hmm. your passion. And so so that's what I did. I said, okay, you know, let's think about this thing. What is always going to be? Crime Mm -hmm. is always going to be. So I said, okay. So I said, okay, I'll I'll major in criminal justice. And that's what I did. And I did go back to school and get a degree in interior design. And so from youth services, from um, job development, recreation, um, had a baby and wanted to be at home with him for at least a couple of years. Mm -hmm. Did that. And because of mine and my husband's love for art, African art specifically, African art and artifacts, we started a home-based business So we could, you know, so I could be at home with my son and send him to preschool a few hours a day and be that hands-on mom that I wanted to be. So when he went to kindergarten, we opened up a storefront. So we had an African art artifacts storefront. Did that for several years and then moved to North Carolina (laughs) from California. (laughs) 
and got there, couldn't really do much as far as outside of the home because I was back and forth to California so often. So we moved there in 2004 and between 2004 and 2008, I was back and forth in California 13 times. And then um, brought my mother back to North Carolina, was her caretaker until she passed in 2009. And from 2009 until we left in 2015, I had gone back and forth a total of 33 times. So I was never home. So when I got here, when I got to California. Now you're back on the West Coast. I'm back home. My nest is empty. I had a lot of time on my hands and I had the time to really think about what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. um, so I went back and I was, I was subbing in public schools just to see if teaching was what I really wanted to do. And I loved it, but I wanted to work with a different demographic in an area that I was really, really knowledgeable of. And that's how genealogy came into play, me teaching genealogy. So I put together a proposal, a PowerPoint presentation, and took it to um, a local high school district, um, adult ed coordinator, presented it, and they loved it. And that's where I landed. And you've been teaching for a while now, right? About four years. I've been back four in California years. five. I've been teaching for four. And genealogy is all that you teach? Yes. And you, you teach an advanced course and? I teach a beginning and an intermediate. Okay, okay. Yeah. So what can one learn in those courses? Well, in the beginning, we learned most importantly how to utilize online programs, which mm -hmm. saves money and time from, you know, the traditional research that we started off doing. At the library. Right? At the library and archives and mm -hmm. whatnot, right? You and Michael Fish. Yes. Yep. And so you just sit in front of your computer and you utilize all the programs for all the digitalized records that are out there. You know, you still have to do some traditional research because mm -hmm. um, not all records have been digitalized. But for the most part, you can go pretty far just, you know, using, using a program, right? So they learned that, they learned the importance of organization, which is key because, mm -hmm. you know, as, as we tend to, to gather more and more information and things get in the way, you might get up from your, from your spot and do something else and forget about all about the research mm -hmm. that you were doing. And then you come back and then you start at the place that you started from, you know, days before. And so you, you're on that and wheel. Frustrated. Right. So, you know, organization is key. Networking is key. So those are the things that they, in tree building, those are the things that they, they learn. In and in the intermediate class, what do you In the learn? immediate class, we're, we're focusing more on um, getting over those brick walls that we all encounter at some point. You know, we're going to get to a point where we're stuck. And, you know, you have to sometimes look at things in a different way. And one of the slides that I present to them on the first day is a picture. It's a landscape picture. The picture is actually um, a tree line riverfront. And if you're looking at it right, that's what you're, you're seeing. But if you turn that picture up on its end, it looks like two palm trees merging together. And so my <laughs> question always is, what do you see? That's the picture that I show them first, upended. And you know, I get, you know, it's a tree, it's two trees. And so when I turn it around, it's really actually a landscape. And they're like, ah, and that, that's the lesson. You have mm -hmm. to look at things, you have to look at it differently. And sometimes what you see is not what's real. So you have to look at it from different kinds of angles. So um, we were focusing on um, that and um, different, more advanced research techniques, search techniques, and getting over those walls. Okay, that sounds interesting. And you're talking about just um, different perspectives and yeah what seems real yeah. may not be real. Exactly. What happens when I start doing some research and finding things that I didn't expect? 
to find. Sometimes that's a hard pill to swallow. And it, it, it slaps you like a freight train. <laughs> and it happens. And um, with DNA, you know, being so widely used now, people are getting tested and they're finding out things that um, they didn't know was, you know, like, for example, you know, they might find out that their father is a different person, that they're not connecting to the person by, you know, their biological, well, their the father that the father that raised them, raised or them. The father that they were told that they were father. They're not connecting to his line, and you know, close relatives are coming up that are not making sense. You know, as far as how they connect, and sometimes um, that's a hard pill to swallow. You know, of course, because um, what they thought was reality is not. And they are, you know, completely a different person than they thought they were. So in those times, you know, you know, I have to approach it with a lot of empathy um, because you're dealing with raw emotions at that time. Mm-hmm. And um, it happens over and over and over and over again. And one of the things that I tell my students is if you find something that's hard to face, it's okay to go get help for that 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 will take a mental toll on you and it's okay to go seek out help. Do you help help? Do you have help that you can refer them to? I do not personally have help that I can refer them to because in this area, everybody, you know, there are so many different medical plans, but I, I tell them, you know, Mm -hmm. if you, if you are on the the Kaiser plan, um, you know, reach out, do someone in that plan or whatever plan that you're on, or in reach out, but I don't have a personal um, therapist available. Yes, I'm building my list of therapists mm-hmm. because as a coach, yeah, and as a person who loves to do gene- genealogy and I teach that and I do the griot thing, yeah. I want to make sure that I have someone that they can at least reach out to and then get referred. Yes. somewhere else because right that's an that's an interesting um situation to be in uh, right. it's one thing to be adopted and know that you're adopted and you're exactly. looking for your family yeah and there is an issue with will that family accept me after i found them yes but it's another thing to believe yeah that you're biologically someone else's child someone's right. child and find yeah. out that you're not yeah, absolutely. but it happens every day, every day, every day. They're not alone. You know, it might be it might seem like a lonely place, especially in the beginning, you know, because I'm sure it's, you know, how can this happen? You know, how could I not know um, a whole lot of things, you know, that, that the person is dealing with? And it seems like it would be a lonely place. But um, there are so many people going through it, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But they I have a happy story to share. Dave? I I did um, DNA testing. The best way to do it is to get the oldest person in your family, yeah, if you can. Yeah. So I took three elders mm-hmm. who stood, you know, in my line, so that I could pull out the different DNA to figure out who's who. Yeah. And I was able to just figure out who, which side was my father's my grandfather's side and which mm-hmm. side was my grandmother's side mm-hmm. by, by looking at the DNA. Yeah. So that's all I wanted to do. Yeah. What happened was he found a cousin. Mm-hmm. His first cousin's daughter had taken the same test. Who knew that they would both take the same test? Because there's a plethora of tests that you can take. But at that point, I think he took it in April and she took it in May. Mm -hmm. And so she's sending me this email and I don't know what to do. Why? Because I don't know if the rest of the family knows. So I wait for a family meeting and I ask one person. They said, oh, yeah, we know about her. We've been looking for her. Oh, wow. For a long time. Her mother had passed away and she'd been living in foster care. Oh, wow. And she lost touch with mm-hmm. her father. Mm-hmm. 
And because of that, so once I got the okay, I gave him the phone number and they had Thanksgiving together. Oh, wow. And she's been at every family reunion and we've met her son oh. and they've all come in and been a part of the family, but we're a huge family. So yeah. Yeah. it's easy to just say, okay, one more, we'll take right. you in. Right. So, so that was, that was a really good thing that she was able to actually find her family. Yeah. And yeah. you, you know, but I wish it would it would be like that for everyone, right? But it's it's not always it's not, that yeah, way. That's so true. And yeah. And so I don't know if well I I guess at some point I probably will run into that because I plan to do a lot more of 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 the DNA the teaching mm-hmm. the working together in groups to help people do research. Mm-hmm. So I said I guess at some point I will run into that. I haven't mm-hmm. run into the story where people are shocked that they didn't know. Yeah. But but eventually I guess it will happen. Oh, it will happen. And so I'm glad <laughs> you told me. So I'll make sure that I'm prepared. So do you have any stories about some adoptive students? Do they do, do people yeah. who have been adopted purposely come to your class? Yes, I've had several students who have been adopted, and that's the reason they've taken the class. And some of them run into brick walls as far as gaining their records because they 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 were adopted out of states that have closed adoptions, and and you know those those brick walls, you know they're set. It's mm-hmm. hard for them to get past that. And so sometimes with the DNA, if they can get a close first cousin match or a half sibling match, you know, that's a beautiful thing, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and then that, that works out. But a lot of times um, the brick wall is where it ends. But I have had students who have taken the class and have had the, the opportunity to find out who their birth parents are in real time in class. And so that's been exciting too. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So let's go back to our family. Okay. So you know, you know I wrote a book. My <laughs> book is the Johnson McFarland McQueen family, but it goes back to the same line right. on the Newman side. Right. And so you've you've done a lot of research in that area too. Right. So anything that I am not sure about, I don't put in a book. Exactly. I'll talk about it. I'll go ahead and research it because it. To me, when you when you write it down, it becomes fact. Yes. If you're if you only heard about it, it becomes fact, and then people can't get over um, that because Grandma said. Yeah. So, just for an example, my great great grandma, my great great aunt used to live with us mm-hmm. on my maternal my maternal great great aunt, mm-hmm. and. She always told us that she was Indian and she had this long ponytail and she played braid every night and she throw it behind her. And so I believe that she was Indian. I took my DNA. <laughs> there is no Native American anything yeah. in my DNA. Yeah. And I understand that it, that is that, you know, that's the, the theory that we have is there was Indian, we, we were part of the Indian tribe and we did this and we did that. And we're not, mm-hmm. most of us are not Native American. That's true. Most of it can be traced back to Europe. Yes. And the slave owner. That's correct. That is so correct. You know, the, the same thing happened to me. My, my great grandmother was supposedly Native American with the long hair, all that, right? <laughs> yeah. And she so, do that every night. Right? And I'm only, I'm less than 2% native. So- <laughs> You have more than I do. So if my great-grandmother was um, Native American, I would be 6.25% or more. So that kind of just nullified that. But just a few weeks ago, I was working in Ancestry and came up with a match looked at their tree and my great grand my great grandmother's father was in that tree i had his name and guess what he was what caucasian yeah yeah 
Yeah. And her husband, um, my great grandmother's stepfather who raised her lived next door to the grocery store that my white great great grandfather owned. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So, you know, there's a story there, you know, he, yes. she had two children with him, all with the last, both with the last name of Williams and had several children with her, her husband um, with the last name of Hogan or Logan. Mm. And so, um, you know, I am wondering, you know, was there some kind of um, situation where she had to feed her children and was forced mm -hmm. to sleep with this man in order to feed her kids? You know, who knows? You, you don't, yeah. but you know that there's a story there. There's a story there. But that's where you can tie in. That's, that's the way I use DNA and the research. Yeah. If I hear there's a story, Mm -hmm. I go to verify it. There you go. Yeah. So because Aunt Mamie said that she was Native American and we believed it. Yeah. I can draw two, at least two conclusions from that. Yeah. Either Aunt Mamie, my great, great aunt and my great grandmother do not have the same father. Yeah. Or the same parents. Yes. Or someone told her she was Native American. Right. And that wasn't the case. Yeah. Such as the store owner. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and some know. of these things we will never know. We'll never know. But DNA is bringing it, you know, bringing the truth out, whatever that is, you know, you know, so. So I've done African ancestry. So I know my, uh, my numbers. I've had my dad do 23andMe mm -hmm. just to make sure they kind of balance out together. Yeah. My my son has done 23andMe so that mm -hmm. and and everything has been consistent. Yeah. And I, because my mother's deceased and most of the people on my maternal side are they're gone. Yeah. I took um I took the African ancestry DNA. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I know that we are from Cameroon. Okay. My maternal line. Mm -hmm. And then every, it seems like every six months or so when I go back to the DNA for 23andMe or Ancestry, they're tweaking. Yeah. They're getting more information. Exactly. And so I'm just looking to make sure that everything lines up mm -hmm. and it pretty much is. Yeah. So I'm seeing Cameroon now. Mm-hmm. In my African and my ancestry.com uh -huh. admixture piece. Right, right. And so I'm looking at these and I'm going, okay, well, they really are doing the work to, to, to make sure that this is right. Right. And you introduced me to GEDmatch. Mm -hmm. And that is the tool that is now used for some <laughs> criminal cases. Right. That's true. So anybody who's related to me, please, please, <laughs> please do not create, commit any crime right. where DNA is included because they're going to find you That's because right. I'm taking the test. Exactly. Same here. And um, I, I tell my students, you know, I ask them, have you committed a crime that you're afraid <laughs> that you're going to get caught for? And always the answer is no. Then I said, you do what you got to do. You know, go ahead and submit your DNA. This is to help you further your research. It's a research tool for you. So you can't live your life wondering Worried about if your brother. Uncle Bob, <laughs> who Uncle Bob killed or left in a ditch or whatever. So Uncle Bob is in trouble. <laughs> yeah, his his responsibility, not yours. I watched this one show where Uncle Bob, Uncle Bob, <laughs> drove a trash truck. They followed him around. And they waited him to waited for him to flick his cigarette butt out the window. They picked it up and nailed him. Yep. Hey, that's Uncle Bob. Bye, Uncle Bob. 
because we want to know who we are. That's right. We want to know what's going on. I need to be able to put my my stories together. There is a story. Of course, I I didn't get to put it in the book because I don't believe it's true. But, well, we weren't sure if it was true because, again, don't forget. (laughs) Or as my dad calls it, blow hair. So we have blow hair evidence. So I just thought, okay, well, maybe there is some truth to this. We kind of, I was thinking, no, I don't think it's Native American. It looks more like Asian to me. Okay. But a lot of our family members have that Asian feature. So I was thinking, that was my, my thing was, I'm going to go and prove them that it's like China or something like that, mm-hmm. because there was a lot, there were a lot of um, Chinese workers around the same time in in the Southeast. So I'm looking for that and we do the DNA. And once again, no Native American and no Asian American. So what does that tell us? And he was an orphan. He was left on the step. Mm. But the story is, is he was Native American. Not so. Right. DNA says not so. Right. And about what year was he left on the step? Was this um, prior um, to emancipation? My great, it was prior to emancipation because my great grandmother was born in 1885. Mm-hmm. It may not have been. Right. Right it around that have, area. It might have been just after. 1860 something. Yeah. So it, it may not have been. Right. Or it may have been that they they could, maybe it was already emancipation and they couldn't feed them. Right. My other question, the thing that I don't put in the book, but I always leave um, room for people to think about is almost everyone on my grandmother's side, mm-hmm. her, her grandparents on both sides, mm-hmm. everybody owned land. Mm-hmm we can account for deeds given to some of these right. folks, right? right? There's some people I can't account for how they got their land. Mm-hmm. And then the question is, were they slave holders as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hope not. Can you, can you trace them to 1860? I can trace them to 1860, yeah. As free people? In 1860, I think so, yeah. Yeah, so it's possible, definitely. And then I have, and again, the book is just for the Johnson, McFarland, McQueen. So I have the, how do I say it? As in Askenegi, the um, Jewish roots. Oh, Askenazi. Askenazi. Yeah. So I have that in my dad's line. It is not in my grandmother's line. So I know it's on the Newman side, but it's my grandfather's mother. So okay. she's not a Newman. Okay. Okay. She's a Weatherly. Okay. So apparently, well, she's very light blue, blue eyes and everything, but I am assuming that one of her par- grandparents mm-hmm. wasn't as good as you Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there there is a population of Jewish people in South Carolina. Mm -hmm. And they were also slaveholders. Yeah. So I'm not sure if she was, like you said, what's the story behind that? Yeah. Well, it wasn't consensual at that time. You know that. (laughs) You may not. You never know. Probably not. It was prior to emancipation. It was not. Probably not. But my great grandma was born after that. Okay. So, yeah, my great grandmother was born after too. Yeah. But even if, (laughs) still doesn't mean it was consensual. Like you said, getting were they getting groceries? Right. Or was she just forced? Right. Exactly. Because who can you tell? 
nobody. You know. And so as we <laughs> just don't know. No. You just don't know. No. And as as we go through the history and you think of the story, mm -hmm. and that's why I, I teach that it's important to know the time yeah. in history. Yeah. Was it prior to emancipation? Yeah. Was it not? Miles Newman had his land before. A long time, but we know it was bequeathed to him. Yeah. Yeah. But he and he had the the wherewithal to say i'm donating this land yeah and it's for the colored people yeah and they put a school on it yeah and a church on right. it and a cemetery and right. then we have this story these traits that we have of sharing and giving yeah. didn't start today it didn't exactly. start yesterday it started with our fourth great grandfather he yeah. did that. He did. And when you tell your story that way, nobody can break it down yeah. for you. No one else can change the narrative for you. And I use it all That's the time. True. Yeah. I've, I've gone into to meetings and people are like, what are you doing here? Oh, I belong here. Right. Because I built this. That's right. And I'm coming for everything that they couldn't have. That's and right. They did a good job. Mm-hmm. When you own land and you know enough to not just keep it all for yourself. That's right. But you share it. That's right. That's right. He built That's a legacy. Your, a legacy. Yeah. And each time we go home for, for homecoming, mm -hmm. there's the monument that's been erected yeah. in 84. Yeah. As a reminder. Yep. That's right. This is the land. And so we tell our family and they do homecoming every year at Thanksgiving mm -hmm. and we collect money to make mm -hmm. sure that the cemetery stays well kept. Yeah. And that the church, which is now part of the United Methodist church. Yeah. That the church remains separate from the United Methodist entity because they cannot close it down. Mm -hmm. They cannot sell it. Mm -hmm. But if you don't know that, eventually it can happen yeah so our job is to make sure that our kids and their kids know exactly and keep it going and yeah. so that's the reason we tell our story mm -hmm. and we work together mm -hmm. so the myth of we can't work together it's not true that's right that's how right. do we get this far exactly that's somebody else controlling our narrative though exactly yeah. until the lion tells the story that's right. The hunter will always be the victor. Mm -hmm. We have to tell our story. We need yeah. more griots. Yes. We need more researchers, more yes. people who will tell the story. Yeah. So are you still filling that book that you used to sell in print? I do, but now it's, it's my database is so large that my computer won't spool it. <laughs> to, okay. to print it and so what I do now I'll share everyone's line but and I'll just take mm -hmm. that line and share it with them but yes I'm still building the book I'm still building our story it's it's just so tedious that the I have your book and I have Sharon's book mm -hmm. and I go back for reference to make sure that I'm putting things in properly yeah but even in my book I stop at generation five mm-hmm to reach a broader audience for, because the, the first part of my book is a keepsake for mm -hmm. our family. Okay. The second part is for anybody who wants to do the same, who wants mm -hmm. to come to your class mm -hmm. and actually learn how to uh, do their research and start their lineage. So do you start with a family tree? Yes. I start with the pedigree chart. You know, starting okay. with, you know, the person you know the best, which is yourself and mm -hmm. working as far back as you can manually in the beginning mm -hmm. and then learning how to input that into a program, a database of some sort, and then building on that with research. You know, I could go all day. <laughs> we could go all day back and, forth, back and forth. I have a question about Cat Daniels. Okay. I, I did not put where he was from, 
because some people keep saying Mozambique and other people say Angola. And so I wasn't sure. So when I'm never, when I'm not sure, I mm -hmm. never put that information right. down. Where did you get Mozambique? No, I've gotten um, Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe. Because um, the oral tradition is that he was Mashana from the Mashana okay. tribe. Mashana tribe. And the Mashana tribe is from Zimbabwe. And okay. another part of the oral tradition is that he spoke several languages. Portuguese was one of them. And there was a slave trade in Southern Africa that went up through the Middle East. So it would make sense that, that he, he spoke, spoke Portuguese. Portuguese if he was enslaved in the Middle East first. Gotcha. But I had um, contacted a researcher in Zimbabwe and, and gave him all of the information that um, was contained, contained in that oral history, the Miles Newman history. Mm -hmm. And he felt that he was from Zimbabwe just based on Mashana and Portuguese speaking. Cool. No, I, I've heard the Mashana piece, but never the Portuguese. So you learn something every day. But I, I've I've gone on ancestry and looked at trees. People have yeah. Angola. They have Mozambique, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I think I did see Zimbabwe as well. I don't mm -hmm. put anything until mm -hmm. I know. Yeah, because you spend a lot of time debunking myths, and I don't yeah. want to be that person. And another, well, you know, I don't. I have a question about. Um, you know, the, the documents or the, the census records that we've seen Miles Newman in, the 1870 and the 1880, uh, where it says, well, in the 1880, not in 1870, it asks, you know, where were your parents born? And it said, South Carolina, South Carolina for both. Um, so, you know, it made me go, hmm, you know? And um, I don't know if I told you that I was able to tie in another child to, to Kat. Yeah. Did I that? yeah. Okay, so when I looked at his record for 1880, in the same it was Butler. Hmm. Butler. I'm gonna, I'll send you his will. He left the Please. will. Please. And he that. named his children, which is how I was able to ascertain that he had to be Miles's uh, brother because of one of his children living in the household with a known Newman enlisted as a cousin. And the only way he could be a cousin is if that was Miles's brother. And yep. he was born in eight, he was born in 1795, actually. Um, but that question in 1880, you know, where were your parents born? Said South Carolina for both. Huh. So I, I, you have huh. the oral tradition. And then, you know, you don't know who built out that census record. Exactly. In the census records, the names are all spelled any Full kind of, of way. Yeah. They were born about a certain time. Right. So you have to fill in the blanks and yeah. do the best that you can. Yeah. So the best way to do this is to have oral history. Yeah. But for people who don't have oral history. Exactly. You, you, you may think that you have something good and, and it may not be. Yeah, and it's that, that example of seeing one thing that might not be the total picture. Yes. Right? So you got to twist that yes. thing up, turn it upside down. <laughs> and I have to do that on my maternal side. It is, I'm, I'm looking at records and then on my maternal side, at some point, my great-grandmother it may have been my great-great-grandmother. I'm not sure which one. I think it's my great-grandmother and all of her mm. sisters. They all became Moorish. Really? Moorish American. They went to the Moorish Science Temple. But my mother really? told me that their mother was Baptist. So okay. everybody changed their names. Their bays okay. and L's. And that makes it even harder to find. Yeah, it does. And so I'm thinking I'm going to end up at the Moorish Temple in Philadelphia <laughs> because they came from South Carolina to Philadelphia. Okay. And I'm probably going to end up there because, as you said, not every, not all records are digital. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And so the the what is the the Latter Day Saints did a lot of the um, 
the digital scanning? They, they, scan they own more records. records than any entity in the world. They're collecting it all. Are they sharing it all? Oh, yeah. Okay. For a price. You know, that's what we're paying into when we were paying well, into the ancestry. ancestry. Yeah, yeah. But okay. yeah, that was their goal. Their goal was to collect as much as possible. And, and they have been. And then I, I understand that the army records are kind of sketchy for yeah. the St. Louis fire. Yes, yeah. I actually sent away for my brother's medical record. No longer exists. Huh. So, yeah. Yeah, lots of lots of things that happened to records, fires, <laughs> wars. <laughs> yeah. So, so I try to explain to people. I I know that the research is not for everyone. Mm -hmm. I know the storytelling is not for everyone, but I right. do believe that the story, yeah, is for everyone. Right. So that person. And if you know if you're a griot or not, are you mm -hmm. the one who sat around and listened to all the stories? I am. Are you the one who follow all the information yeah. and grab up all the, you save everything? If yeah. that is you, then then you are probably Should a I griot. Raise my hand. Yes. <laughs> you may be a griot. And it's not for everyone. Right. However, the story of how you come to be tells a powerful story about yourself. Exactly. It does. And it tells us about our traits yes. too, because you didn't you didn't just think up all of those things. Some of that is traits and tradition. Yeah. And if you know what your traits and traditions are, you can actually work to cultivate and keep the good ones. Yes. And you can work and dig up and replant something else that you want if it's not a desirable trait. Exactly. Yeah. But it's all about knowing who you are, right? Exactly. And, you know, I think um, I often say that if children were taught about their history and, and their family's place in history globally or whatever, um, just the pride that that child would have mm -hmm. in who they are and where they come from, mm -hmm. you know? And no one else can change that. Exactly. So <clears> when, you can't, when you hear they can't work together or they can't mm -hmm. get along, it's not true. That's right. Because who else could we have bartered with besides each other? That's right. Exactly. They owned land. <clears throat> How did yep. you get it? Yeah. Who worked on it? Right. How did you keep it through all of, through the century? Right. Or more? Right. How did you go from being an enslaved person and 10 years later and mm. you're sitting in the Senate? Exactly. And your own land and a business. Yeah, right. How does that happen? How does that happen? That's the tenacity. Yeah. That's ingenuity. That's right. And it's all in you. Yeah. Yeah. But if you don't know that, then you right. believe you what other people right. say. <clears throat> yeah, you listen to someone else's narrative, you know. But we need to never continue to set the narrative. That's it. And I appreciate you for setting a narrative for me because it is part of my history. And I am a big proponent of extended family. Mm -hmm. So the, the more extended we can get, mm -hmm. the, the better. That's right. Because you're building a bigger network. It's not That's just right. family members, but they're also, it's also a network of people that you could actually do business with. That's right. And find support. Yeah. And I'm glad I found you, Miss Phenomenal you. Women, who who has just leaped into her passion <laughs> and helping other people. And you know, that's what you do for a living now. Yeah, it is. It really and you're is. Fulfilled. And I want to see people just make the pivots, the adjustments mm -hmm. that they need to actually live yeah. and work in the passion and the purpose that they have the talents that they have, the, that they've been given, mm -hmm. why not use them? Exactly. Yeah. It's nice yeah. to go to work every day and, and get a roof over your head and yeah. pay bills. But if you do something that you love, something that right. you put here to do. Exactly. It's awesome. And so 
you are one of the people that are like, okay, one day, one day I'm going to be like that. So I always come to you, (laughs) always come to you for my, for my, for my DNA stuff when I'm stumped. And I can actually teach this class on Saturday because I've come to you and I've done my work and I don't understand this. And you're like, have you gone to Jet Match? I'm like, what is that? Jet Match? It's a and beautiful said, oh, thing. Goodness, it is. <laughs> yeah, because you're is. able to compare with other people who've taken tests in other places. You know, it's not just it the 23andMe and the Ancestry. It's 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 a quite a few of them that come together that you can compare that you wouldn't normally be able to do so if you just and you don't have you. to buy all the tests. Exactly. Yeah. And to follow yes. that X chromosome is a beautiful thing. And you can see it right there in the grid on GEDmatch where you have to search for it in Ancestry or 23andMe or any of the other ones. So It makes it plain. Yeah, it does. It does. You just have to learn how to read it. So I had to do my my instructions and then call you up and then write you a little email. But (laughs) I I got it now. I, I do have it now. So before we close, I always ask everyone, what is your favorite quote? My favorite quote is by Maya Angelou. And it is, success is living yourself. Liking what you do and doing what you like well. I think you have success, huh? I think so. You have reached success. I have. Liking Definitely. what you do. I love what I do. And doing it well. Thank you. I'm so glad that you're doing it. And you know, I'm a Mother Maya fan. So I love when I hear Maya Angelou quotes. And then the the last question that I always ask is on whose shoulders do you stand? Wow. I would be remiss if I didn't say my ancestors and how grateful I am um, to to be the product of everything that they had to endure for me to be here. But tangibly, I would say, I stand on the shoulders of Tommy Dolores Williams Newman, who was my beautiful, supportive, phenomenal mother who encouraged all of my dreams, sacrificed so much for her children. Um, I'm so grateful, you know, when when I set out to graduate high school early, I didn't have a driver's license, so I took evening classes at the local college. My mother would take me and sit in the car from six to 10, <laughs> just so I could be That's present awesome. and, and to work toward my goals. And she's, you know, she was just wonderful, wonderful example. Loved her family, um, mm-hmm. you know, and displayed it, displayed it with all of her, with all of her being. So I stand firmly on those shoulders. On those shoulders. I do. And she taught you family. She did. That's awesome. She did. Let me just make sure we don't have any questions. Are there any questions? Again, my phone is behind. But Cynthia Cardelli says, hey, cousins. Hey, Hi. Hey. <laughs> You're next. Hey, cuz. <laughs> and I have other people watching, but we're obviously... My phone is obviously behind. So what I've been doing when the phone is behind, um, if there are any questions, I forward them. I just tag you in it. Okay. In the in the question section, and then you can answer. Okay. But so, how can people reach you? Well, people can reach me through my personal email, which is Sabina S A B I N A underscore. No R, please no R. It won't, it won't reach me if you put an R in it. Trust me. <laughs> S-A-B-I-N-A underscore 0123 at yahoo.com. Um, if anyone is interested in taking a remote learning class, because anyone anywhere in the world can take a class now that we're remote learning. Mm-hmm. Um, my email, my work email is brooks, B-R-O-O-K-S-S at L-U-H-D. So I have someone here that says you are a great wife. Can you guess? Who oh, oh that can be T. Only one. Yes. <laughs> My one and only Such husband. Such a wonderful husband. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's so sweet. Oh, so yeah. So that came up after 
I guess it's just kind of going a little slow, mm -hmm. but okay. So, and you know what? We probably should set up a course. I'm just doing a master class on Saturday from mm -hmm. nine o'clock. That's 9 a.m. Our time would be 6 a.m. your time, Ooh, but yeah. um, it's a basic. And so if there are people who are interested in digging deeper or going diving deeper <laughs> then then we can set up something where they can uh, work with you okay that sounds because great. mine is just how do you get started and why should you actually do research mm -hmm. and your dna and figure out who you are and i think we just told them that so now we're just going to go through i'm going to give them the basics of how you get started the basics of the applications that the tools that are available as well as the basics of the DNA. And then I'm gonna, that's only an hour. And then I'm gonna hang out another hour for questions. Mm -hmm. And if people wanna actually work on some things, they can do that in the second hour. And then we can figure out who it is that needs to move a little closer to more of the research and um, maybe attend your class or do some one-on-one -on -one research. We'll refer them to you. Okay, that sounds wonderful. Okay. Okay. I thank you so much for joining me oh, at, you know, on the West Coast, here on the East Coast. And that's why we're here on 10 o'clock. I always have a 10 o'clock slot for my people who are further West than I am. Mm -hmm. And of course, you heard I've done 6 a.m. for my yeah. Dubai people. Right. So we're just going to get our phenomenal women when they're available at any time because what you have to say is very important. And right now, especially now, mm -hmm. just knowing who you are, setting the narrative of the truth about you yeah. and, and letting everybody know we're not a monolith. We are different people and we are strong people and they need to know that. Mm -hmm. And you, well, thank we can you. actually do that. Thank you for this platform and what you're doing. You know. I'm so glad that you could join me. Oh, thank you. You know, I thought me. I thought of you. I thought of you right away. I said I have to have Sabine on. Oh, thank you. So it was my pleasure. I appreciate it. All right. Living your passion. Yes, ma'am. Make so the next pivot that you make, you'll probably still be in this arena. Yes. It'll, I'll be here. I'll be here. I think, you know, I've you talked to you. Here. Before, you know, it started off as an assignment when I was 12, mm -hmm. but I really do think it's a calling. It you is. Know? Not at it any is. point in my life doing anything else have I been able to put it down. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's confirmation for me too. Yeah. I, I do it a little differently, but, <laughs> but it is the same. And, yeah. And not everybody has the passion. We understand that. That's true. But they all need to know the story. Yes, absolutely. Okay. All right. All right, everybody. We thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening to Dream Aloud with Kendra. If you like the show, leave a review and tell a friend. I also invite you to join our Dream Aloud Facebook group, where we encourage and challenge our members to step outside of their comfort zone and live limitless lives. I guarantee you, you will experience true fulfillment when you live, work, and play your way.